And also, of course, uh, Colossians 2.13. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations. Uh, He took it away, nailing it to the cross, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, the, the cross... Uh, and Christ's work of the cross is the source uh, of our authority. And that, and that key that we saw being passed, you know, yeah, from man to Satan, as Jesus takes that key back, yes, uh, through his obedient life, his submitted life, his suffering, and ultimately through cross and resurrection that's that's the vindication that's the vindication and before ascending in majesty yeah he's transferring and it's his authority but he's imparting it uh, to us as well as rick was bringing out is that okay rick is that uh knock into that um, and the other thing uh, just as uh, as rick was speaking as well that i will um refer to, and I'll refer to that um, in a moment. On session four then, I'm really, I'm just going to um, share some practical stuff from being in church leadership and being a Christian and uh, uh, seeing God move and messing up and failing or asking questions as well, the whole thing. Um, So just on that back sheet, you know, understanding my authority, that's really taking on board all that uh, uh, Rick was sharing, you know, in that, in that first session. And again, uh, recognising authority. We had a very good little example there uh, from uh, uh, Richard. He didn't know he was doing it, you see. But authority, our authority is not about clenching our fists harder or shouting louder or getting up into a froth about demons, or what have you, the louder we shout, um, the more authority we have type of thing. No. It's understanding who we are in Christ and our authority uh, in him and his authority through us and whose control we are under. And where God has positioned us uh, in Christ. I want to say as well, in sharing examples, when we think about exercising authority, particularly when we may think about, um, you know, healing or deliverance or, or what have you, that there is a complex interplay going on here of God's sovereignty and our exercising as Rick was talking about and it's a word for me as well uh, of not being passive in our faith but of our exercising that authority and that interplay of people's response and submission and faith for instance have I got authority to go into Crawley High Street tomorrow and say, the authority Christ has given me, I command you all to come into God's kingdom now. It's not going to happen. 
don't think he's not given us in that sense that authority uh, because there's an interplay there of free will because if he had well somebody would have done it before now would have claimed that and we'd have seen it type of thing do you know what I mean there's uh, it, it, it's more it's more subtle than that but has he given us authority to speak Christ's word and to speak hope and life into people and the authority to proclaim the gospel yes he has and we should be doing that whatever we'll unpack that a little bit more one thing just as we were having the uh, uh, that reading that that uh, significant reading from the Roman centurion in Matthew 8 5 13 just as it was being read and it was speaking there was a verse that really leapt out to me Uh, And it was verse 7. Because the response of the servant, uh, the centurion, was to these words of Jesus. Because Jesus said, and he said to him, I will come and cure him. I will come and heal him. What's happened there? There's a man appealing, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralysed in terrible distress. Jesus says... I will come and cure him. So once Jesus had said that, yeah, he takes him as his authority. He takes Jesus at his word. So he says, you don't need to come to my house because you've said it. Do you see? But Jesus said, I will come and cure him. You know? Those of you who know David Foe, um, some of you that, you know, his son James, James Foe, died, didn't he, uh, when he was about 12 or 13, you know. And I prayed in the name of Jesus for his healing. Of course I did. And I fasted and prayed, and other people did, you know. I had somebody call me up from another church, you know, telling me, you know, if we agree in Jesus' name, he will be healed. So if you won't agree with me in that then he won't be healed, you know. And that was a bit of manipulation and um, didn't do me any good either. You know, because she was trying to say, well, if he dies, it's going to be your fault because you haven't agreed with me because I'm claiming God's promises there. And we've got to be very careful here because understanding Christ's authority does not mean we move to something where we just name it and claim it. Because, again, as, as, as Rick was referring to, that I agree with Rick from John 5, those key passages of Jesus saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. You know? Now, Jesus was in perfect relationship with his Father, uh, and so there was, the, there was nothing in the way. And there's stuff in the way of my relationship with God. And so equally I am saying, I'm sure there are times when God has given me authority. Uh, to do things in Christ and perhaps I haven't done them and I haven't taken those opportunities you know I'm not saying oh just hold back and be passive far from it but equally you know you and I know that otherwise we could go out from here tomorrow go into all the hospitals in the country proclaim healing in Christ's name and then all walk up out of their beds and get get well you know and that's not happening is it you know, that's a reality. But does God want to release more healing and more deliverance as a sign of his kingdom 
absolutely. You know, I'm totally passionately behind that. And it is understanding and growing in the authority that Christ has given us. So that was, uh, I'm just getting going. And um, looking at these, I just wanted to share, having, having said that, and say, are we powerless victims or triumphant overcomers? No, you know, we don't want to be powerless victims. Where we just say, there's nothing we can do, oh, this is it, what have you. Uh, you know, and I've, I've been prone to sometimes being uh, passive. And sometimes there is a battle. And, and equally in, in church life and in leading church and doing stuff in the community, sometimes we can say, have I got the energy for this? Am I really going to be up for this? Uh, or what have you. Um, and so, no. You know, in Christ, Romans, Romans 8, you know, in Christ we are, we are more than conquerors. And so there is authority and there is power uh, in Christ's name. But there is that complex interplay of unity, of the Father's will, of exercising faith uh, and, the, and the whole sovereignty of God. There is the authority there to bless and curse in Christ's name. Yeah, you might say, oh, curse. You know, reinforcing what is good and honouring, speaking God's favour over people, places, businesses, but recognising as well authority to resist evil, to speak out against injustice, stand against oppression. Those two verses there, authority and power. So just some examples from my experience in these, in these five areas really, just to say... What does it look like on the ground? How's it look like for me? And I'm still learning and growing, and I'm learning from Rick as well. You know, and I learn and get challenged from other people as well uh, in their faith and in what they're believing from God and standing in. Some of those of you who knew uh, Francis Pym, dear Francis Pym, I've never been majorly ill, but when I was ill, I always loved Francis coming around praying for me. I, I did. Because he had faith. He had believing faith in, in, in ways. And, and I would receive that as well. Uh, and what have you. But um, just some examples. Uh, from church leadership. Now authority here. Again as, as leaders we have to be very careful here. That by saying we have authority. We don't let that lead to you know, spiritual abuse or manipulation or control because that is, that is not right before God and there is a spiritual authority uh, that comes by the way of Christ which is servanthood, isn't it? Uh, and serving uh, and submission and obedience. But I can always remember uh, when I went as a, a young man to lead my first church, uh, very nervously, you know, in Burton-on-Trent, and there was a dear older man reader, lay reader, for 30 years or whatever, uh, you know, and he knew more about God and about the church and about faith in Christ probably than me. But I always remember, you know, he would say it month in, month out, you know, Gary, you know, I'm a man under authority. I'm coming under your authority as spiritual leader here. And there is that, that spiritual leadership that is um, 
given in the leadership of church through the people and from God. And so, yes, when um, when I was sort of went away, I don't, you know, maybe practice it more, but sometimes when you go away, or certainly when I went on sabbatical, you know, here, for instance, you know, I wanted to, we prayed, you know, for spiritual authority, if you like, to rest on James as he uh, oversaw the, uh, that period of time. Uh, and that, that's important because we're talking in the spiritual realm, not just in the, in the human realm. I remember one occasion in Burton-on-Trent where we had quite, a, quite an open time of, uh, of worship on our evening services or what have you, and two people came into the church in their suits, clearly who they were, because they'd been around or whatever, a couple of Mormons, welcomed into the service, all of that. We're praising, we're giving the word, what have you. Then we had sort of a, just an open time. Has anyone got a word from the Lord? whatever and one of these Mormons started speaking and so I just asked him to stop um, in the name of Jesus not, not in a rude way but just saying you know you're new here um, you know that's not a place for you to speak out now we can talk afterwards because they just said oh I feel the spirit moving and just, want, and just thought and there was spiritual authority there wasn't there you know, just on, on that, that occasion, it was like an, an exercise. Still had a conversation with them. I wasn't saying, get out of the building or anything like that. But there was like an exercising of spiritual authority, um, if you like, there. That's, that's one area. Um, family life. Um, and this isn't, this isn't about a, a, a man and woman thing and sort of headship in the house. Uh, but I think there is, there is covering that is given uh, to, to, to parents, you know, in, in their household, uh, if you like. Yeah, for me and Avril, Avril would recognise, if you like, that I have that, that spiritual authority there. Uh, but but that's, that's, that's not the point I'm making. What I'm saying is that in uh, our family life, there's a sort of a covering uh, and a praying that, that can be there uh, for us within the building, over our children, uh, or what have you. It's a combination of both, but the story of when we came here for interview is that um, actually for the interview it was very important that I came with Avril. But on the night, the middle of the night, wasn't it? Sam, how old was he then? Four? So he woke up with like a raging temperature, wasn't he? All sorts of things. Yeah. And, and for that one, and, and I think this is like thinking under God, you know, we just prayed for him, didn't we? And it went. It left there and then. And, and I think in the purposes of God on that occasion, you know, that was significant. And... We're exercising, if you like, our authority uh, in Christ in that way. There's an authority, um, again, as I said, I'm only sharing examples because, you know, there are times when things uh, don't happen. Uh, and one or two of these are from, uh, uh, from Burton. Sometimes, you know, you can share things from here and, and other times you can't. Um, when we went to Burton, 
talking about an authority over sort of communities or places, we were told that Burton had, and the particular area of Burton where we were, it had the uh, second highest suicide rate in the country uh, and the second highest miscarriage rate in the country. Just this small little ward or, or whatever. Uh, which was quite a staggering statistic, actually, given what we were there. You know, that's what we were told. You know, whether it was actually true, well, you, you can never quite tell. But anyway, you know, for somebody like me who's been in ministry time, to be in the first year of your ministry there um, and um, take three suicide funerals, and there'll be another three in the area, and we're talking a parish of just over... 4,000 at that time was massively significant. Uh, and in that, and over there, you know, we felt we want to come together and seek to, not in any grand way, pray into this uh, and ask for Christ's authority to be released over that and a, a diminishing of it. Um, and the reality is that that, that happened. You know, we saw uh, a real change over the next uh, four or five years, uh, whenever or whenever we started, you know. Uh, that was significant. Is this coincidental or not? You know, in terms of feeling called at times to, uh, to pray for blessing over our community and covering over our community, I can remember quite a prayer time where we were praying um, for the local schools, and our local, one of our local schools in particular called Violet Lane. And, and, you know, and in the midst of that, you know, there were people just praying uh, protection over that school. And the next day, that night, in one of the classrooms, James and others would have been, but during the night, the boiler exploded. It took out half the classroom. Uh, but, well, they had a week off school. They liked that. But, you know, we can say, well, what was going on there? But it, I think there was an interplay of hopefully hearing God's voice, believing it and, and praying into it, uh, and asking for God's authority uh, and blessing uh, over that. When we think of the, the whole area of uh, healing, clearly the Gospels are full of a Christ who heals. And he has imparted that to us. And he wants us, uh, you know, to, to pray for healing. And equally, I was talking to somebody else, uh, you know, just at my, my conference. He was talking about somebody else, you know, who said, you know, well, you pray for everyone, you know, and if there's, if there's not healing, um, you know, well, that's down to them. You know, we've heard it all before, you know, it's rubbish. Um, but, you know, I said, well, what does this sort of person do when somebody gets to 85 or 90 or 95? Oh, still praying for them to be healed. You know, it's just like... Ridiculous. And equally, you know, I'm looking out amongst you, you know, and we, and you know, uh, 
on the one hand, you know, we've prayed for healing, physical healing, and we haven't seen it in certain circumstances. Um, that's not to make us give up or be passive uh, about it, uh, because Christ has given us that command, you know, to, to pray for healing, uh, and we will do it. And that and it's a mystery to me as well. You know, it really is a mystery to me. You know, the authority that is given. And it's not always to do, you know, with status or name either. You know, so, you know, my three-year-old son could pray for healing on my wrist when he was three. Uh, and there was healing there. You know, there was an uh, occasion when somebody uh, comes to a, a communion. Um, a, you know, a 12-year-old boy... Um, and uh, um, oh, what was his name? Um, hmm? Daniel. Was it Daniel? Hmm? Daniel. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, rheumatoid arthritis. That was it. That was the trying to get. You know. Rheumatoid arthritis. We we had a you know a healing communion on a on a Pentecost Sunday. You know, he didn't want ten minutes prayer or what have you. He was just up and just a simple prayer. There, you know, this is uh, rheumatoid arthritis. He hadn't been to school for for months. Uh, everything like that, and you know, the next week cleared up, transformed. Amazing, you know. But um, so you know, we've we've got those stories as well. You know, we have, um, and sometimes it is just that interplay of this is this is the word of the Lord. I'm sensing we're in the the will of God here, and that's pray and release that. Uh, linking in just before we need to have time so that we can uh, uh, pray and uh, just commit things to God. Uh, which has both sides of it, really. Um, obviously, you know, a few years ago, my mother died. There was one occasion, it was October, November, can't remember where, where she was, she was already quite poorly, but, you know, it was coming and going a bit, and then I got a phone call that, um, you know, she'd got this massive bleed, and it was coming out of her mouth and, and what have you, and it was very critical, and she was in hospital. I was driving down, because we probably thought, yeah, and just as, I was, just as I was driving down, I, you know, I don't know, but, um, you know, I just felt the Lord upon me just to, uh, just to pray against that in Jesus' name and for it, to be, for it to be healed and just to come against whatever. That was it. it. It just sort of came. I didn't really sort of have much say in the matter, but that's what God was wanting to do, you know. And, and incredibly, you know, at that time, it stopped. Uh, you know, and that, now, three months later, my mum still died. You know, we understand that. Uh, and she wasn't going to be. You know, that was her time uh, before God. Um, but it was a sign. And in those months, other things happened, or what have you. And you've got your own stories um, as well. What I'm trying to say is that the authority thing, it, of course, it's what's going on, if you like, in the spiritual realms, 
although it's involving people and situations, that's why, you know, next month when we look at, um, you know, spiritual warfare and intercession, it builds on this. And that's why in the month after, you know, when we have a whole time on the word of God uh, and the power of God's word, it builds on that as well. Because this is, um, you know, they're all of a one. So that's where I really want to finish, I think, because I'm going to pass back to Rick and we're going to have a time just to, uh, uh, just to pray for one another in a, in a simple way and maybe some, just for some blessing and for what we can do. I think I want to just finish just by saying my experience would be to say sometimes we'll sense we want to pray like this and nothing will happen. And we might feel we've got it wrong. Uh, But if you sense you've been obedient to Christ, that's important. I think we have to beware the danger uh, in this whole area of just being formulaic. Oh, well, if I say this or do this, that will happen. Um, God's a bit more complex and bigger uh, than that. Um, Beware of control or condemning, or guilt-inducing. But above all, still beware of passivity and fatalism, and there's, oh, well, there's nothing we can do, and, uh, oh, let's just uh, keep on going. No, you know, I hear Rick's word, you know, he brought just towards the end there, that... God wants us to rise up and stir up in our spirits. Uh, But as we exercise our authority in Christ, it comes out of prayerfulness and a relationship with God. It comes out of knowing who we are in Christ. It's ministered in love. Um... And faith, as John Wimber said, is spelt R-I-S-K. Risk. And there's a place for you and for me always to uh, step out in our authority in Christ, in love, for his kingdom.